question about the Bible. Do you ever wonder whether we can really know God? Are there things you just don't understand about Him? Maybe it's Christmas season. Maybe you have a question about the Nativity story. If so, then you are in the right place. Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelman, Moody Radio's Bible study across America. I'm Dr. Cisco Cotto. I'm a professor in the Pastoral Studies Department at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Joining me today around the radio kitchen table is my fellow Moody professor, Dr. Michael Van Lanningham. We're coming to you live across many radio stations all around the country, answering your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. Dr. Michael Rydelnik has been dealing with getting better after some surgery. We'll give you an update on Dr. Rydelnik with the producer of Open Line, Trish McMillan, in just a couple of moments. I want to give you the phone number, though, because we want to take your calls this morning. The number is 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. You can also go to our website. Here's that, openlineradio.org, openlineradio.org. All you have to do is fill out the Ask Michael a Question section. Those Bible questions get sent to us, and we answer those in our mailbag segment. That's coming up later on in the program. That's at openlineradio.org. Now, I said we want to get an update on Michael's health, and we'll do that again in just a moment with producer Tricia McMillan. But first, I want to say a word about Moody Bible Institute. I love teaching at Moody. Dr. Michael Van Lanningham loves teaching at Moody. Dr. Michael Rydelnik loves teaching at Moody. And I just want to say, if you or your child or your grandchild has a desire to be a pastor or a missionary or a counselor or a teacher, we want them to strongly consider studying with us here at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. We would love you to study with us. I want you to go to this website. It's moody.edu, moody.edu. Look at all of the programs that we have here at Moody Bible Institute. And I want to say, if you study with us here in Chicago, if you're an undergraduate living on the Chicago campus, generous donors to Moody Bible Institute provide a 100% tuition scholarship for you. If you're an undergraduate student, if you live here in Chicago on the campus, 100% tuition scholarship. You pay for room and board and some other fees, but a great, great opportunity for you to study with the faculty here at Moody Bible Institute and not to come out of it with all kinds of debt. So get to that website, moody.edu, and come and study with us here at the Moody Bible Institute. Now, Trish McMillan is here, the great producer of Open Line. Trish, I love hearing you on the radio each <laughs> oh, and every week. I really do. I love it because not only are you a great producer, but you studied at Moody. You have this great sense of the Bible and theology. And so during the mailbag segments, you ask such great questions. Uh, so I, I really do. I love your interactions with Michael. It, it's always really good stuff. Uh, we've been checking in with him as he's been gone for several weeks here about his health behind the scenes, but we need to give listeners an update here on how's he doing. How's yes. he doing? Well, what happened, if you have not heard this news, Michael had surgery last month, um, several weeks ago, and the surgery went well. Uh, it did what it was supposed to do, but there were some complications afterwards that he ran into, and his doctor, and more importantly, Eva, who we <laughs> love here, um, said that he should take a little bit of time off and rest. Um, and so I talked with him yesterday. He's doing great, getting better day by day. 
uh, and he will be back with us in January. If you've been praying for him, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, he really appreciates it. Please continue to pray for him as he gets better and rests. It is hard for him to rest. I'm oh, sure yeah. you can well, imagine. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why Eva had to step in right. and go, no, you're not going back on the radio. Rest right. up. Right. So it is hard, <laughs> but thank you for your prayers. Um, continue to pray for him over the next few months, and he will be back with us in January. Yeah, we love yeah, Michael. That's good. Yeah, so glad Eva. that he's healing up well, and uh, Mike V and I have both had a chance to talk with him and talk with Eva and uh, praising God for him healing up and looking forward to getting him back here in January, as yeah. I know all of you are as well. Yeah, he and Eva are both very, very encouraged by your prayers, and he looks forward to being back with you on the radio in just a few weeks. Here's that number again, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. The lines are already lit up. Let's begin. Roger calling us in northern Minnesota. Welcome to Open Line, Roger. You can go ahead, Roger, whenever you're ready. Okay. In uh, Romans 8, uh, 8, 26, uh, the Spirit um, helps us out when we don't know what to pray. And the verse says that the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Um, uh, what is the groanings? And um, uh, he's interceding on our behalf. Does he pray for us? And uh, is the groanings to be cons considered like uh, heavenly language that we would talk? Or, or what is the meaning of that so roger here's the thing um it's a great question our charismatic friends say that paul's talking about speaking in tongues but i don't think that's the case notice how it says in verse 26 um it says the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too, too deep for words and w when people speak in tongues and i used to be a charismatic by the way a long time ago i used to speak in tongues and i don't anymore for various and sundry reasons but um, notice that it's the Spirit himself who intercedes. But when a person speaks in tongues, they participate. But I believe the Spirit does this alone. And the groanings, too deep for words, um, it, it's very interesting. The expression too deep for words actually means that which is unspoken or cannot be spoken. That which is unsaid or is um, um, you know, left unsaid. But in either case, if it's unspoken or unspeakable, it's not audible. You wouldn't be able to hear it. And so this groanings here, this is, this is a, sort of a paradox, groanings that are too deep for words. Th this is what the Spirit is doing on our behalf directly to God the Father. The Spirit is praying for us, probably, and, and sorry to use this expression, but probably sort of almost in a telepathic way with God the Father. And so there's perfect communication there. The Spirit is praying for us because we're weak. We don't. We oftentimes don't know how to pray as we should. And but but we can be we can be reassured that He is always praying for us that God's will would be done for us. And the very next passage, Romans eight twenty eight, my favorite in all the Bible, says we know that God causes all things to work together for good. And and I think one of the reasons why all things work together for good is because the Holy Spirit is praying for us. And so uh, what a wonderful thing. We don't know anything more about this prayer ministry of the Spirit because uh, this is the only place it's mentioned in Scripture. But what a wonderful reassurance that the Spirit is intervening for us all the time when we don't know how to pray as we should. Well, I, I think when we, when we think about heaven and we think about God as a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, 
sometimes because that, that's, that's very difficult to imagine. You know, what, what, what is that relationship like in heaven? What has that relationship been like throughout all of eternity? I mean, it's, it's really challenging. And so I think there are times when we imagine, uh, I don't know, three people just sort of sitting there silently in a room, just sort of coexisting together. And what I love about this passage is it shows that that is not what's going on. Okay, it's tough to imagine exactly what it's like, but that's not what's going on. There is this beautiful relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, They're not just existing in addition to all of the activity in the universe that they care very deeply for each and every one of us. God the Father, God the Son, Holy Spirit cares about you. One last thing too, Roger. Uh, Not only does the Spirit intercede for us, but in verse 34, it says, The Son who died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, he also intercedes for us. And I'm thinking, wow, if we have the Holy Spirit interceding, praying for us, or if we have the Son praying for us, Paul goes on then to say that, Nothing will separate us from the love of God, and of course, nothing can. If the if the Spirit's praying for us and the Son is praying for us, what could possibly disrupt our relationship with God the Father? It's yes. an amazing thing. And why wouldn't why wouldn't we then? Maybe this is just a good encouragement. Why wouldn't we then lean in prayer on our God? Why right. why, why wouldn't we, if 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 uh, if God is interceding for us, if if God is constantly concerned for us and what's going on in our lives, then why wouldn't we lean on Him more? It's this encouragement to do that each and every day. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks, Roger. Yeah, really good. Uh, why don't we go to uh, Annie? Annie is calling us from Maryland. Hi, Annie. Good morning. You are on open line, not with Michael Rydelnik today, but with Dr. Michael Van Lanningham and Dr. Cisco Cotto. Good to have you on the show, Annie. Uh, yes. Good morning. How are you? How's everyone? We're doing pretty good, considering we don't have, don't have any idea what we're doing and we're on the radio today. So other than that, we're doing fine. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for taking my call. I'm hoping that uh, you all can just help me with a uh, it's a money issue between myself and a relative but the thing is I'm calling to ask your advice on how can we uh, resolve this so everyone both sides would be comfortable and I want to do the right thing all right give us kind of some nuts and bolts okay thank you uh, years a couple of years back um, I wasn't working. I had to get my elderly mom and take care of her. And so uh, I wasn't working anymore, my contracts. And this family member stepped up, and they were paying so much, giving me so much every every month so that we wouldn't lose the home. Uh, and and so it totaled, it ended up totaling $48,000. It was over a couple of years. And so, um, but then they did say, well, they did want to be repaid. Uh, At the time, I did have contracts and everything, but like I said, after my mom uh, needed me, I couldn't couldn't work anymore, and plus it was like Alzheimer's, confusion, things like that. Sure. sure. So now, so now after uh, all of that is said and done, um, I didn't get back to work because she's gotten worse. She had gotten worse, but... That person lived uh, in my, uh, I have a duplex. So they were living in the duplex the whole time as well, and I was charging rent. 
that was just being subtracted from the 48,000 so and now any, it's gotten down to zero. So what what's the question you need help with? Mhm. Yes. The question is um, uh, do I now that it's gotten down to zero but they want they still want to be repaid. How can you help me to know what to do that would be uh, say comfortable for both of us. So I, I just so we understand, right yeah, just so we understand clearly, forty-eight thousand was borrowed. You deducted rent from that forty-eight thousand, but now they want the cash back. Uh, are we understanding yes, the facts? They feel of this? that that is old. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, this is challenging. Yeah, I mean, Annie, without knowing all of the details, <laughs> yeah, right. my suggestion is is try to work out a way to be able to pay them back. Um, in, um, a moderate amount, and maybe very little, month by month. But just start. Make that arrangement with them. Agree with them in good faith, and start doing it. And if it's twenty five dollars a month, it's going to take you forever. But at least you start, and hopefully they will be willing to um, allow you to do that. Thanks for your call. See, that, that's a really thorny one. Thank you. Because, yeah, thank you so much for calling. It's thorny because this person basically been living rent free for a while. And so she's saying, you, you've, uh, you know, I, I've paid you back with the free rent, and yet it's not always that easy. Uh, the, these financial situations, and maybe that's a, a word of warning, these financial situations where we become intertwined, uh, where we think that we're helping each other out, and, and we love each other, and we want to do that. Uh, and yet if we don't have things clearly written down, that's when we get into these misunderstandings. Uh, we'll call them that. Yeah, uh, here's the number again. I uh, always appreciate you calling in at 877-548-3675. You can also go to our website, openlineradio.org, openlineradio.org. All you have to do is fill out the Ask Michael a Question section. You can send us your Bible question at openlineradio.org, and we'll get to those in the mailbag uh, coming up in just a few moments. You're listening to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, Cisco Cotto, and Michael Van Lanningham sitting in for Dr. Rydelnik today. More of your calls coming up. What's Hanukkah all about? So with Hanukkah coming up in December, Chosen People Ministries wants to help open-line listeners by offering a free booklet called The Gospel According to Hanukkah. Chosen People Ministries reaches Jewish people around the world with the good news of Jesus the Messiah. The Gospel According to Hanukkah explains the ancient origins of this holiday, the way it's celebrated today, and how it relates to our own faith in Jesus, the light of the world. For a free copy of The Gospel According to Hanukkah, just go to openlineradio.org. Scroll down, and you'll see a link that says A Free Gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that, and you'll be able to sign up for your very own copy of The Gospel According to Hanukkah. With Dr. Michael Rydelnik. I'm Dr. Cisco Cotto, professor in the pastoral studies at Moody Bible Institute, sitting in for Michael along with Dr. Michael Van Lanningham, also a professor here at Moody. 
Dr. Rydelnik is out after some surgery, recovering well. He will be back on the program in January. We're really glad to be able to be here with you. Here's the phone number, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. You can also submit a question online at our website, openlineradio.org, openlineradio.org. We have a call from Janet in Bolingbrook. And uh, Janet, you have a question about Genesis chapter 9, I think. What can we do for you this, this morning? Hi, good morning. I have a question. Did Noah already have grandsons at the time of when he got drunk and lay uncovered in his tent? He gave a curse to Canaan, a son of Ham, but were these grandsons even born yet? Uh, they were by that time, I believe. Um, between the conclusion of the flood in uh, verses chapter 9, like verse 17, we have verse 18 and 19. Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these whole, uh, the whole earth was populated. And then uh, it seems to me that there's a fair amount of time that elapses, there has to be, between uh, when the flood concludes and they exit the ark to when uh, verse 20 and that episode comes along. It was sort of by reading the text, you kind of get a feel like, oh, this happened like the next day. But I think that there's a fair amount of time. And when, um, when it says in verse 18 that Ham was the father of Canaan, it's not unusual in um, Old Testament Hebrew narrative to actually sort of forecast and summarize what's about to be dealt with in greater detail in the following text. And so I think that that's what's going on here. A fair amount of time went by between the conclusion of the flood and when uh, Noah became drunk. And we see uh, th th his drunkenness. He, he had to drink something in order to be drunk at that time. And that's where verse 20 saying that there's this farming, there's this planting of a vineyard. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if it necessarily takes years and years and years to get all of that done. But it, at least to your point, shows that there was some time here that elapsed. It's not like right off the ark and then Noah's doing this drinking. Right. Yeah. Does that help, Janet? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Happy to be of assistance. And we have a call from Mark from Chicago. And Mark, you had a, a question, I think, about something that I just said a little bit ago, and I'm happy to explore that with you. Why don't you go ahead and ask the question again for everybody? Okay, so when, when people, I've seen people speaking tongues, and, and frequently I'm skeptical that they may be acting. And uh, other people maybe actually believe they're doing it, and I my opinion is I think they're delusional. So you said you used to speak in tongues, but you don't do it anymore. So what was do you look? How do you look back at that experience? What do you think you were doing when you were doing it? Right now, Mark, I got to say, I think to say that somebody who speaks in tongues is delusional. I think that's a little strong, and so I'm not comfortable with having us say that. But 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 I would just I would just want to approach this from the standpoint. That, that we should ask the question, in the Bible, what is speaking in tongues? And the first occurrence of it is found in Acts chapter 2, where we have 15 different people groups who hear the 120 on the day of Pentecost, and the 120 are speaking in the foreign languages of these 15 different people groups. Now, both in Acts chapter 2, verse 6, 
It says, and when this sound occurred, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them, the 120, speak in his own. And then it uses a very interesting word in the Greek language, dialectos. We get our English word dialect. When we use dialect in English, we're talking about, you know, somebody from the south having a particular dialect or an accent. But dialectos actually meant foreign language in the ancient world. And we have the same word being used in verse 8. Um, and how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born, the people who were hearing the 120 speak? Dialectus means an earthly foreign language. I think speaking in tongues in the Bible, everywhere it's used, is an earthly foreign language that God miraculously enables a person to speak, a language they have not learned formally. And it's, and at least in Acts chapter 2, it's used as sort of a pre-evangelistic thing to attract people, to be, to be curious and to want to hear the gospel. Um, I think that most charismatics, and notice how I'm saying this, Mark, you know, I'm not omniscient, I don't know. But I, I would venture to say that what most people are doing and what I was doing was not speaking an earthly foreign language. It's claimed that this is the language of angels or something like that, but I think angels speak earthly languages in the Bible. They speak Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic in the Bible when they're recorded. And so uh, I think even the angel, angels, when they speak, at least to us, they're speaking in earthly foreign languages. So I would venture to say, in my opinion, that much of what's happening in charismatic circles is probably generated by the person rather than by the Holy Spirit, and that it's not exactly what the scriptures talk about. Um, and so I'm, I know I'm going to probably really upset some people by having said that. But as we look at the biblical evidence, it really seems to point in the direction of, of a miraculous ability to speak an earthly foreign language. Yeah, given what you're saying uh, from the book of Acts, where it's clearly human languages, where they're, they're being spoken. These are people who don't know those languages. They're not native to that area. They shouldn't know these languages. And yet they're speaking them very clearly, very, uh, very fluently. And so the people around them who are native speakers of those languages understand them. And, and so we see that's what tongues is, or really languages. We, we see what it is. And then I, I think as you move through the rest of the New Testament, you would have to say, okay, is there a change in what this is? Is there a change in understanding from these known human languages that people are speaking supernaturally to something else, to, to some sort of ecstatic utterance, to, to some sort of a, a heavenly language, or, or as Mike V said, uh, some sort of an, an angelic language or something like that. And we just don't see that. Uh, the, the fact is, when we look at, uh, speaking of angelic languages or angelic tongues, that's 1 Corinthians 13. And right at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, I'm only bringing this up because there's a lot of times that people say, see, there are these other heavenly languages there are that God could give to his people. But if you look at 1 Corinthians 13 in those opening verses, um, Paul is speaking in hyperbole here in order to end up making a point about love and the importance of love and, and how we are to love. Uh, and he has several lines in there of hyperbole, beginning with, if I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love. And people often stop there and go, see, there's angelic tongues, there's angelic languages. But then Paul goes on and says, if I have the gift of prophecy, prophecy, if I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, again, hyperbole. And Paul says, if I give away all my possessions, and, but, but 
he's not going to have all knowledge. He's not going to understand all mysteries. He's not going to give away all of his possessions. He is speaking in hyperbole, and that hyperbole also applies to what's going on in verse 1. He's saying, uh, whether I speak human languages or, or even languages of angels, which is not a thing. He's using it rhetorically in order to make the point no matter what else you have in your life, no matter what other ability you have, if you don't love, then you're getting it wrong. Uh, and so we don't see another spot in the New Testament where any writer is saying, hey, tongues used to be human languages, but now it's this other thing, uh, which I, I think is an important guide for us as we process this. Uh, Mike, let me just ask you personally, what was that transition like for you from I, I used to think that this was right or okay. I used to engage in some activity to now saying, hey, I, I don't think that's biblical. I, I don't think I should do that anymore. Right. Well, a lot of it came down to uh, just sort of studying the Word more. And I found a lot of things that were being done in the charismatic churches I was attending were actually being done contrary to what Scripture said. And it seemed to me that if if the Spirit says we should do this and this, only two or three should speak in tongues, then uh, then we shouldn't do any more than that. We have the mailbag coming up. Cisco Cotto and Michael Van Lanningham sitting in for Dr. Michael Rydelnik on Open Line. Each weekend on Open Line with me, Dr. Michael Rydelnik, we study the scriptures around our radio kitchen table. You can become a kitchen table partner through your monthly support of Open Line. Your gifts help me to provide biblical answers to questions that many believers have about the Savior, the Scriptures, and the spiritual life. Along with other partners, you're helping people receive guidance from God's Word. Become a Kitchen Table Partner today. Call 888-644-7122 or go to openlineradio.org. At FEBC Partners with Open Line with Dr. Michael Radelnik, bringing the FEBC mailbag every week. Learn how Far East Broadcasting Company is taking Christ to the world at febc.org. On their weekly podcast, Until All Have Heard with Ed Cannon, you'll hear stories of lives changed by Messiah all across the globe. Again, you can hear the podcast when you visit febc.org. That's febc.org. You are listening to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. Michael's still healing up from some surgery. He'll be back on the show in January. I'm Dr. Cisco Cotto, a professor, a professor in the Pastoral Studies Department at Moody Bible Institute, along with Dr. Michael Van Lanningham, who also serves with me here at Moody. Always glad to be able to take your calls at 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. You can also go to our website, openlineradio.org. That's openlineradio.org. Fill out Ask Michael a Question when you go to that website. And when you do that, your question gets put in the mailbag. And every single Saturday morning on the show, we welcome the producer of Open Line, Trish McMillan, into the studio. She has been gathering your mailbag questions, and she throws those at Michael, and now she's throwing them at <laughs> us. And and, and uh, Mike V., I don't think we can just say, uh, wait and ask Michael in January. Oh, I would say that all the time. <laughs> I, I, I say, well, that's a great question. Call back later. Call back in a so, few weeks. That's probably not the best thing to say. <laughs> you know what, Cisco, you know what we could do? If we really are sort of stuck, we can just make stuff up. 
Oh, you know, we can do. We can just make stuff up. Uh, it's no, right. I'm kidding. Yeah, I yes, would, prove us never, wrong. I never bluff. I'm, I would not do that. I just said that to be stupid. No, and you know what Michael says all the time? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he does, and I think that gives us. We have the freedom to not know all of the answers. Yes, right. it's easier for Mike V and me and and for Dr. Rydelnik in the classroom at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, where. During any given talk, we can say, you know, I, I don't know. Come back on Thursday. We'll talk about it on Thursday. Right. It's a little easier here live on the radio. You can't really say, ah, come back next week. We'll see. Maybe we'll have Though an actually. answer. Actually. He does that, doesn't <laughs> well, he? He does do that, yeah. and you guys will be back next week. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Two so, of us will are be we coming back next week? Yes. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> Wait, they didn't tell you that? Maybe, maybe if we do, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. this is a demo. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we survived this week. We that's can it. do it again next week and yeah. try. <laughs> All right. What do we got, Trish? All right. Surprisingly, not as many Christmas questions as I was expecting. So feel free to send your Christmas questions in, yeah. too. This is a prime time to do that. Um, our first question is from James, who's been having several discussions with different people um, in their understanding of what salvation is. Um, one of his questions is from Romans 10.10, 10, which says, For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. In talking to some new believers, it seems like they believe that salvation is a mantra to be spoken and that by speaking Romans 10 verses 9 and 10, that they are saved. Is salvation by confession? And to whom is this confession made? Is it to God or is this a confession about God to other people? I, I think, you know, James, that's a great question. And uh, Romans chapter 10, you know, there's a couple different ways to answer it. And I, I like all of them. One of the ways to answer it is, is that if a truly saved person is asked about his relationship with the Lord, that he probably will confess it. He will probably speak it so that salvation is seen in one's confession. It's an evidence or a fruit or a result or a product of one being saved by grace through faith. But I don't think it's the very thing that actually saves us. Another way to, to approach it is to just see what Paul is doing in Romans 10. He actually cites from the Old Testament that the Jewish people were, were saying um, sometimes in Deuteronomy chapter 30, you know, Moses says, look, you guys, you've been told God's, God's will, God's law. You cannot say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down. You know? And so they say in Deuteronomy 30, Moses says, you can't say, look, this is so far beyond us, the law of God. We don't know where it is. It's too hard to access. Well, we got to go up to heaven to bring it down. And Moses says, no, that's not the case. Moses says, um, the Lord is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That's also in Romans chapter 10 and verse 8. You know, that's from Deuteronomy 30 as well. So what Moses says is, is that they have ready access to God's revelation through the law. Uh, it's right there in front of them. It's, it's in your mouth. It's like saying it's in your face, and it's in your heart. It's right in front of you. And so he continues the parallel with Deuteronomy 30 in verse 9 and verse 10 by talking about confession. I don't think that confession is a co-condition of salvation, but he's continuing the parallel of the availability, the ready access that we have to the gospel, the ease with which we can apprehend it, um, and we, we, we believe in Christ for salvation, that God put Christ on the cross to die for our sins and raised him from the dead. And if we believe that, we're saved. That's the emphasis, by the way, in, in, verse, um, in verse 9. It says you have to believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. And then verse 10, 
with a heart with a heart a person believes and so at the end of verse 9 you've got belief at the start of verse 10 you've got belief that's being emphasized it's the faith that's the key so paul's just continuing his parallel with deuteronomy chapter 30 talking about the ready access of the gospel in this case in chapter 10 for the jewish people but for everybody as well that's what's going on here confession is not one of the things that brings our salvation now mike talk about the danger of creating uh, a, a sort of formula where I think sometimes people do, where unless I, if I want to be saved, if I want to be forgiven, if I want to be a child of God and, and brought into his family, uh, I have to make sure that I do it just this exact certain way. Because I think that can catch people sometimes where it leaves them wondering, am I really saved? Because uh, there's this step-by-step process somewhere that I have to engage in. And if i almost mystical. If I don't do it right, it's not going to stick. Well, the only thing we have to do right is to trust in Christ the Savior and, and to believe that God put him on the cross to die as an atoning sacrifice for us and that God raised him from the dead. That's the only thing we have to do per se. But even the faith that we have is, is given to us by God. He gives us the capacity and the inclination and the ability to believe. Um, and so as soon as we start to say, I've got to do this precisely, this precisely, this precisely, if we do anything other than have faith in Christ— then we run the serious risk of not being able to be saved because we are saved by grace, by God's kindness to us in Christ, through faith, through relying upon Christ alone and nothing else. Yeah, it's just that simple. It is that simple. Yeah, thanks. All right, and I think that can be encouraging for those who are like, oh no, I missed a step in that checklist of things that I'm supposed to do. That it's not, it's not that, (laughs) you didn't miss a step if you have trusted that's it. That is the step. Yeah. Right. And it's not you. I mean, that, that's where people get caught up, too, in thinking somehow I have to do it right. I have to do. No, no, no. It's all Christ and what he's done and the faith that he gives you, as, as you already mentioned. Right. All right. Thank you for that. Um, our next question is from Alex in Florida. Listens to WKES. Why are believers stuck with siding with either Calvinism or Arminianism in teachings? Um and obviously, then, is it healthy to be stuck or follow either doctrine? And so maybe I'll back up and have you briefly describe <laughs> briefly. Calvinism, <laughs> Calvinism versus Arminianism. And briefly, briefly in 20, like, in 20 seconds, Mike V, go. Okay, I, I'll, uh, I'll try, okay? okay right. I mean, so Calvinism basically says uh, that God is sovereign, and Arminianism says the human free will is sovereign. Okay. That's Basically, as I look at it, that's what it comes down to. And so it seems to me, actually, that you're going to end up either in one camp or the other. If you believe that God chooses people to actually be saved, and then if God actually gives them the capacity to trust in Christ, if you believe that humankind is so fallen that we really can't change our condition before God, um, if, if we believe that God is going to work in us to keep us in faith, persevering in our relationship with him, then, then you're going to be a Calvinist. If you believe that uh, you can lose your salvation, if you believe that God doesn't actually incline your will to believe, then you're going to be an Arminian. But you can't be both. Both of those things are sort of self-exclusive. And it's impossible to believe that God chooses me on the basis of his grace and I choose him on my own free will. You can't say both things at the same time. 
And that's why you're sort of going to end up in one camp or the other. By the way, Calvinism is seen as a dirty word these days, mm -hmm. which is really sad because all Calvinism does is to summarize and explain what's there pretty clearly in Scripture. But there seems to be a, um, a more extreme version of Calvinism and the more, uh, at least in practice, <laughs> and, and I don't know, like, if you take the Calvinism to the extreme, and maybe this is the other side saying this is the problem, is that if there is no choice at all, why evangelize? Like, that tends to be, like, the sticky because, well, God's chosen, and so it'll happen if it's supposed to happen. Right. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, so, so I got to say, while I believe in the sovereignty of God, I also believe we have free will, that we're responsible. We actually have real choices that matter, that we are accountable when we make them, that have real consequences. And so I think, I think we do have free will. Um, and, and so you can't just lay back and say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to let God do everything. God, God expects us to do things. But when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to good things, God is the main mover and shaker. He's, he's prior to anything in us that we would do, that we, we would seek to do that would be pleasing and honoring to him and helpful for people. And so um, I think it's a caricaturization of Calvinism to, to do hyper-Calvinism and say that we're just, we're just robots and we're just on right. – we're, we're, marionettes you know and on god's string and he's the mar the puppeteer and we're just puppets that's not that's not the biblical concept at all but we have we have we have a, a mystery there god is absolutely sovereign and we have free will and responsibility and i'm pretty sure that in the finer aspects of that we'll never be able to quite figure out but arminians also have run into the same problem well, yeah. when it comes to sharing your faith with others, because Tr Trish is right, that people will say that all the time. Well, if God already knows, if God's already ordained this, why do I even have to do this? And uh, a few reasons why we still have to share our faith. Number one, very respectfully, because God told us to. Right. Because mm -hmm. God told us to share the gospel with others. And so we're to be obedient and to do that. Uh, another reason is because by commanding us to do that, God has chosen to use that, to use us and and that's a great gift to be used by God to yeah. share his, his truth with others. And it's interesting, too, and we can, we can go on to the next question after this, but in, in uh, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. Isn't that an interesting statement? Mm -hmm. yeah. So he's out there killing himself in the Mediterranean world to evangelize for Christ, and he's doing it for the elect. You've got in the same verse God's sovereignty here because God chooses people to be saved. And God and Paul also understanding that God uses us to take the gospel to them so that they can hear and believe. Okay. Yeah, that's right. really yeah, Thank that's, you. That's good. Very, very important stuff. Can we squeeze another one in? I don't think we can. Do we have can. to wait until I hour number two? Yeah, oh, we'll have to wait until, we have next to wait hour. until hour number two. But that's all right, because what that means is we're going to get to more of your calls <laughs> in just a moment. Here on Open Line, the number for you to call in, 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. You're listening to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, Dr. Cisco Cotto, and Dr. Michael Van Lanningham sitting in for Michael around the the radio kitchen table this morning.
The book of Romans is often considered Paul's most significant theological work, addressing topics such as sin, salvation, faith, righteousness, and now you can easily grasp Paul's teachings as the Romans Everyday Bible Commentary by Alan Johnson guides you in the meaning and application of Romans in our daily lives. When you give a gift of any size to Open Line, I'll send you a copy just to say thank you. Call 888-644-7122 or visit openlineradio.org. You are listening to Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik, and he is out, had some surgery. He's recovering. He will be back very, very soon after the new year. Looking forward to having him back around the radio kitchen table. Today, I'm joining you, Dr. Cisco Cotto, Professor of Pastoral Studies here at Moody Bible Institute, along with my colleague, Dr. Michael Van Lanningham. Uh, you probably know, just in case, though, Dr. Michael Rydelnik and Dr. Michael Van Lanningham, the general editors of the Moody Bible Commentary. Terry, a great resource. I have it on my desk in my study. Whenever I'm preparing sermons, it is one of the first resources that I consult. If you don't have one, get one, the Moody Bible Commentary. Uh, really wonderful to be able to sit in for Dr. Rydelnik and to take your questions. That number, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. Uh, let's get to some more of your callers here. Uh, James is calling us from Florida. Good morning, James. Thanks for calling. You're on Open Line. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I'm not the best speaker in the world, so be patient with me with this, okay? Because I have a question that I want your thoughts on, uh, and, it's, and it's bothering me a little bit. Uh, I can't believe how many uh, college campus students around our country are against Israel. Uh, as you know, the war of uh, Israel and Hamas uh, what's getting me is there's so many people and students that are against Israel and rather choose Hamas to win this battle. Uh, do they not understand that our God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is going to protect Israel? Or even worse, are there that many students in our colleges today that are not saved? And if they are saved, shouldn't they be for Israel? And I'll hang up and listen to your response. Thanks, James. Thank you, James. I, I feel so strongly and so passionately about this. And, and uh, unlike Michael Rodelnik, he's a Jewish believer, right? I'm not. I'm just a Dutch Gentile guy. So, <laughs> but, but I have to say, um, I feel very strongly about this. So in a nutshell, what God loves, people hate because people hate God. Now, that's a really strong statement, and somebody's going to say, well, nah, that's not true. But, but that, this is what theologians call total depravity. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless. There's none who does good. There's not even one. And he goes on, and he says that their feet, the people, unbelievers now, their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their paths, the path of peace they've not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. And so on the basis of total depravity, there's this real antipathy, negative feelings against God. Um, and so if God loves Israel and people hate God, people are going to hate what God loves, God lo and God loves Israel. So... Uh, that's that's part of the reason. There's a theological reason why the unbelieving world is uh, siding with Hamas to a, such a large extent. Um, as far as college students are concerned, I think they're especially susceptible to uh, to the 
input of the media and to their professors and to their peers as well. And because they're not grounded in Scripture and they don't understand the theological basis for certain things, they're going to believe what the media tells them. And so, um, plus within themselves is the fallen nature that leads them to oppose God and God's purposes and to oppose what God accepts and loves. Can, can we say, because he said um, that, uh, are these people saved? Sort of equating, yeah. uh, kind of conflating some things, I think we could I say. I mean, there's, there are unbelievers who are very supportive of Israel, extremely supportive. It doesn't mean they're saved. Um, and I think it's remotely possible that somebody might be saved and oppose Israel, um, although I think then that they haven't studied their Bible very well. And so I would say that, that almost certainly the vast majority of these college students and others who are opposed to Israel and in support of Hamas probably are not saved. So I want to read two more verses and then, and then I'll be done. But in Psalm 83, it says, Oh God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent. And oh God, do not be still. For behold, your enemies make an uproar and those who hate you have exalted themselves. They make shrewd plans against your people and conspire together against your treasured ones. They have said, come, let us wipe them out as a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. And it goes on from there. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be surprised that this kind of thing is happening, even in the wake of the Hamas attack in the early part of October. You know, this, this almost sounds trite, and I, I don't mean it to be that way. Is this a, a point where Christian parents need to be reminded of the importance of rooting their children in Scripture, uh, uh, teaching their children to be clear thinkers and to be able to, to reason through these things. Because uh, I'm, I'm thinking, and you touched on this, Mike, uh, there is a lot, of, a lot of ignorance where people are just taking in what they're fed and believing that it's true, and now social media feeds into that. you got a reel that's 20 seconds, and you believe that, that that's the news, that that's the truth of, what, of what's going on. Yeah, are we going to follow uh, what the Apostle Paul says or David Muir? On ABC yeah. News at night. I mean, who are we going to follow and listen to? Or just some TikTok influencer. Or some TikTok influencer. <laughs> Nothing against David Muir, but uh, I, I just say we need to be paying attention to what Scripture says all the time. Absolutely. You need to follow God's Word, and we need to root our children in God's Word. So good to have you joining us on what was a very quick first hour of Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik. I'm Dr. Cisco Cotto, along with Dr. Michael Van Lanningham. We will be taking more of your questions on the second, uh, second hour of Open Line on most of these stations. You can visit us online, openlineradio.org. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago.